0: Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick flying solo. So the Warriors have won their first playoff series in three years since 2019. They beat the Denver Nuggets 102-98 at Chase Center in game five. And I got to tell you, man, that game was stressful, right? Stressful. After two seasons of doing regular season games, doing podcasts and stuff, it's like, you know, there have been some tough losses that leave a really, really bad taste in your mouth and you get amped up and stressed out and whatever, like the play-in round last season and some tough losses this year. But I forgot literally (laughs) how emotionally taxing these playoff games can get. I was texting both uh, Ramesh and Aram in Toronto. And we were all separately like, man, just exhausted. We were getting really frustrated with this game. And it was a frustrating game, bottom line, right? This wasn't the Warriors team we saw in games one and two or even game three. They didn't play that great at all. From the very outset, I had said after game four that the Warriors were fine. They were going to be fine, that everything that broke wrong for them in game four, that wouldn't happen in game five. And I guess ultimately not all those things broke wrong for them. They didn't lose Draymond to foul trouble. Foul trouble in general was not so much of an issue, but they did play with bad energy and... They didn't shoot that great overall just to run down the regulars. Jordan Poole, 26 minutes, three for 10, one for four from the field, eight points only. Klay Thompson, 40 minutes. I mean, that's a lot. I'm very impressed. I mean, can you believe that he's playing 40 minutes? That in and of itself is a great thing. You know, five of 13, one for six from three, hit all four of his free throws, nine boards, four steals, three assists, only 15 points though. Steph? 10 for 22, five for 11 from three, which isn't so bad. Missed two free throws again, five for seven. And he had five boards, five assists, two steals, 30 points. He had five turnovers too. So there are three main guys on offense. None of them really had it from the jump. And it was one of those things where it's like, you just need two of them to really, really, click. If one of them is off, then that's fine. But all three of them started off pretty poorly. It was the first time that Steph had started in this series. Steve Kerr moved Kavon Looney to the bench. And that lineup, that new death lineup, wasn't so deadly, (laughs) I guess. And then after about two and a half, three minutes, Steve Kerr benched Poole, inserted Kavon Looney, and they went from there. Jordan Bull, I mean, you know, for as well as he's played in this series overall, he can still be a little wild, a little bit erratic. His dribble sometimes is a little loose. There was one turnover where he just dribbled off of his foot. And you could see Clay afterwards, like, you know, motioning to, like, settle down, settle down. That comes with being a young guy who's trying to make a difference and make a play. So at least it's an error of aggression but he kind of looked a little bit like the bench version of Jordan Poole, where he is a little bit off and he's pressing a little bit much. But again, it wasn't just him. It was also Clay. It was also staff for a while. And, you know, Andrew Wiggins, he played 24 minutes. He was four for nine, hit only three out of his five free throws, five boards, two assists, 12 points. Now, You know, I mean, this whole team, (laughs) they were missing tons of just bunnies, you know, like layups and whatnot. And it was really, really tough because you felt that at the end of the first quarter that the Warriors had several chances to really build a lead and put, put the Nuggets away, like just throw that knockout punch. But because they weren't shooting well and because they kept fouling, and the Nuggets kept going to the line. Luckily, the Nuggets were shooting poorly from the line. Overall, they were 20 for 29, but I think in the first half they were 13 of 20, whereas the Warriors were, I think, seven of nine or something at that point. So the Warriors ended up 15 of 21, so it evened out a little bit more. But regardless, the fact that the Warriors couldn't put the ball in the basket on a lot of easy shots that they normally would make was very, very concerning. And then in the second half, I was like, okay, let's see one of those patented third quarter runs. And guess what? We got the exact opposite. (laughs) The Warriors just, they looked completely out of sync. Their offense had no flow. No one was able to hit anything. And they just looked like they had dead eyes out there. You know what I mean? And on top of that, Chase Center was quite quiet as hell. It felt like it was like a 2020 pandemic game or something where there were no fans at all. And, you know, Aaron and Toronto said like, Hey, the team isn't really giving them anything to cheer about. He is right to some extent, but still I felt like the crowd could have been louder even when times were looking tough. You know what I mean? But bottom line is the players were not executing and they just didn't, you know, it, it was, it was strange. You know, I was like, do they not know how to play basketball right now? They were completely dead. And Michael Malone is a very smart coach. He calls time outs at very smart times, right? He calls them right when the Warriors start making runs and everything like that. And that helped muck up the flow, muck up the energy, et cetera, et cetera. So good on him. I actually really like Michael Malone as a coach. I liked him when he was on the Warriors. I thought he got a raw deal in Sacramento, but let's face facts, every coach gets a raw deal in Sacramento because Sacramento always stinks. But Michael Malone did a great job motivating the Nuggets. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, no matter how far the Warriors get, you'll look at this series and be like, it was a five-game game, Gentleman sweep, but credit to the Nuggets, man. They they fought and they really, really came after the Warriors. And let's be honest, like the Warriors got pretty lucky in some ways for this one, right? Like Jokic got into foul trouble, and he also had a bum hamstring for a while. So like he wasn't 100 percent towards the end. And it was good because Steph did what he was supposed to do. He kept coming after him. Instead of chucking threes, I love the fact that Steph attacked the basket. He got one foul, the fifth foul on Jokic, and then he just kept coming and coming and coming. And on a lot of those drives, Jokic just didn't challenge him at the basket because he didn't want to get his sixth. And that's what a smart player like Steph is supposed to do. We don't see him attack the basket that many times in a row that often these days, right? So that to me right there shows Steph's leadership, Steph's smarts, Steph's experience. He's just like, you know what? Enough of this. Let's just close this game out somehow, some way. And as he did, he did his little sleeping celebration. I don't know what you want to call it. And you also got to give a ton of credit to Gary Payton second. He played 26 minutes, six for eight from the field, three for four from three. Three boards, three assists, two steals, one block, 15 points. Now that's awesome. You know, like for a guy who was the 15th man, the 15th guy to make the roster, at the beginning of the season. And to be honest, a lot of the vets, they wanted Avery Bradley because he was a known quantity. But releasing Gary Payton and then signing him again, it was just you know a very, very savvy, savvy move because we saw that Avery Bradley is done. We saw him play for the Lakers. And Gary Payton, for a guy who could not shoot, I mean, the reason why Gary Payton has not been able to stick in the league is for what most of his career is because he can't shoot. But he improved his shot coming into the season, and clearly he has worked on it during the year. Credit the development coaches, too, because I'm sure some of them were tweaking his shot a little bit. They tweaked Jonathan Kaminga's shot, so I'm sure they gave Gary Payton some pointers as well. Now, he's one guy that I hope the Warriors are able to keep for next season because he plays such a specific role on this team, something that nobody else can do, per se, at this point. And if you can keep him and just insert him in minutes like this, then that's very much worth keeping around. You know, Aram in Toronto, he mentioned to me that the Warriors are going to get beat up in the next round, whether it's Memphis or Minnesota. They're going to get beat up on the inside. And, you know, it's it's true. It's one of their big flaws going into the playoffs, right? The Warriors got beat up by Aaron Gordon, DeMarcus Cousins, Nikola Jokic, right? So if Aaron Gordon is beating you up inside, then guys like Carl Anthony Towns or Jaron Jackson Jr. or Steven Adams or Xavier Tillman or Nas Reed or Jared Vanderbilt or whomever else, it's going to be a challenge next round, no matter who the Warriors face. And that's something just to keep an eye on, right? We had all hoped that the Warriors would have James Wiseman at this point. Obviously, that has been written off for about a couple months now. And we thought that maybe the Warriors towards the end of the season would think about signing another center, but that didn't happen. So hopefully that doesn't become their Achilles heel and they can game plan around that. But it's going to be interesting to see how they try to beat guys playing small, right? Because... They're not the youngest. They're not the most athletic compared to the other two teams that might be coming up. And hopefully these guys can get some rest. The coaches can... Do some homework and do some studying and scouting of the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves because that's going to be a very, very big deal. And let's hope that that series goes seven games, you know, get the Warriors as much rest as possible and just let those guys go at it. The NBA playoffs mean next level basketball. Get in on the first round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place the same game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Another thing about Andrew Wiggins, man, it's like he missed a bunch of shots. I appreciate the fact that he had some aggression out there, but he just has such bad touch. And right? I've talked about this for two years plus now. It feels like whenever he misses, you know it's not going to like get a shooter's roll and go in, right? If it doesn't just go in true, then it'll hit the rim and just bounce right off. It's not going to dance around up there and then like, you know, hang on the rim and roll in. That's not how Andrew Wiggins shot goes for some reason, because it's always pretty flat. And at that angle, it's just going to either go in or not at all. So he had a bunch of those in this game. And and again, it was very, very frustrating because a lot of those shots too that they were missing early on, those were shots that they were missing like later in the game when, Thankfully, Denver couldn't score either. They're just going back and forth and no one can put it in the basket. And it took Steph, like I said, just to be like, you know what? I'm just going to go and attack the rim and see if I can get Jokic fouled out and see if I can get to the free throw line. And he made a bunch of layups. So, you know, props to him. And He talked post-game about having nerves and Steve Kerr talked about how This team was pressing too hard and it's like they wanted it too much. They were too excited and you could see it, right? Like they just were so tight, so like uptight, so tense, especially coming out of the locker room at halftime. And you're like, what's going on? So as much as the Warriors have this championship DNA, it's been a while since they've been in these very, very high pressure games. Game one wasn't a high pressure game. Game two wasn't. Game Three wasn't. Game four, not so much. Game five, this is the first big pressure game because they know that if they lose, they got to go back to Denver. And we all have that memory of losing a 3-1 lead. And those guys do too. So that's something that I'm sure for Warriors fans is in the back of their mind. Like we can't let this game go. So it was very much, in my opinion, a must-win, must-have game, and thankfully, thankfully, it is over. And ultimately, this pressure situation, this adversity, it will be good for them. Bottom line, Poole has not seen it like this. Every game has helped him in his development and in getting accustomed to all this. I mean, I said that during the season, right? My three things were health, playoff seating, and getting the new guys, the young guys acclimated to these pressure situations. And you can't do that in the regular season. It happens in the playoffs because it's just so much more amplified. Those first four games were not the same as this game. And the first round is not the same as the second and not the same as a Western Conference Finals, not the same as the finals. So these things are all, I guess, data points, you can call it, for guys like Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga. Gary Payton the second, even though he's like 29 years old. And same with Auto Porter Jr., because it's not only just the young guys, it's the guys who are who've been around for a while, but have never had so much at stake, right? Sure, maybe Auto Porter Jr.'s played in the playoffs, but he's never had a real shot, as far as I know, to be on a team that was a real contender. So thankfully, Auto Porter Jr. finally hit a hit a shot, which used to be like at least good for three for five from three during the season early on. But lately he's been cold. So thankfully he hit a shot, but in general, these things hopefully can build that character. You know, it's like that NCAA team that coasts for so long cause they're just dominating. But then once they get into a close final four game or something, they don't know how to win a game like that. Right. So hopefully this is, I mean, It can't be anything but a positive that they won, but also like hopefully they take some lessons from this to be like, okay, this feels familiar or like for the new guys and the young guys, like this is what it takes. This is the focus and this is the intelligence that you have to play with. You know what I mean? We'll see what happens with the next series, but man, man. That was tiring. And again, just like Steph may have forgotten how to win one of these pressure games where he says like, you know, the guys have, I forgot how taxing (laughs) enjoyable, but like how taxing like the ups and downs are of a a game like this. But as long as it's a win, it ends up being fun. And hopefully, you know, Andre Godala, hopefully that guy can come back and uh, get his neck issue, you know, (laughs) figured out. He's out for a week. Memphis and Minnesota play in a couple of days. As long as the Timberwolves can win one at home, they go to game seven. Then hopefully we'll get Andre close to game one, wherever that series takes place. And oh, some final things. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga got some minutes and, you know, he affected the game decently, but he looked a little tight as well. He's following the lead of all the vets. He played five minutes only. He was two for four, four points. He was negative two. The rest of his line was all zeros. So no boards, no assists, no steals, no turnovers, no blocks or anything like that. But, you know, like he left a couple of uh, empty possessions up there, like where even his short bunnies and short little like push shots and short little hooks weren't going in. So it was it was contagious. For sure. And, you know, hopefully they got all those heebie jeebies out their system and things can flow a little bit smoother, both on the court and in their minds. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got for now. Let's enjoy this victory because overall, bottom line, like that was a damn good game. Anyway. That's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com and definitely check out our YouTube channel. The link to that will be in the show notes. Be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. If you're so inclined, please do give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And also leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. That would be dope and super helpful. Thanks for listening. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Mardo for production support. See you next time. And go Dubs.